Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Amen. Awesome. So, celebrating Easter, celebrating Good Friday. Henke, you can eat the lights for us again. And... Uh, in celebrating Good Friday and celebrating Resurrection Sunday, I've prepared it to uh, really fit into a series that we kicked off about two weeks ago now, Inward and Outward. And uh, everything that we get to experience, the inward transformation and the outward reality, is because of this weekend. It's because of Jesus' death, because of His resurrection, and then obviously, ultimately, the outpouring um, which is not really something that's on the calendar. It is on the calendar, Pentecost. It's kind of there on the calendar, but it's not like this, uh, this big weekend, like Easter is a weekend. And uh, that's the one thing that we need to remember is all of this. Every great um, account in history, every uh, noteworthy account, historic event in the Bible pointed to one thing. It didn't point to Jesus dying on Good Friday. It didn't point to Jesus just being raised on Resurrection Sunday, but it pointed to the outpouring of God's Spirit, which was His desire from the beginning of time to dwell in man. Amen. We see this from Genesis, and we've continually labored this come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, because this is what the world needs. The world needs to see the unveiling. Romans 8 verse 19, the world needs to see the unveiling the Passion says this like this, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. And the glory of God is the manifest presence of God, which is God's Spirit living in man. Now the world is waiting to see what is this about. The world is waiting to see, man, what does a Christian really look like? Because there's a lot of counterfeit Christians in the world, right? And it's not to kind of say, we, we've got to figure out we're better than them. No, but we need to understand that Christianity is about one message, and it's the gospel of Christ. Christianity isn't about get rich quick. It's not about prosperity. It's not about have all of your problems solved. I think all of us can testify that when you've received Christ, it doesn't mean that all of your problems were solved. If you married, you would know that. I always make the jokes on marriage, and uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm super happily married, but when you get married, you realize that, man, you're going to have some challenges. It's, it's very easy just to kind of stay single, and Paul said, like, it's, I, I'm going to stay single. And so, uh, I'm, let me not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but the world is waiting. People are, are waiting to see what what is this all about? Because every year come in, uh, uh, every year at a specific time of the year, March, April, we're celebrating this, this, this thing we call Easter or um, uh, the Passover celebration and what it means for us. But we can't just celebrate something as if it was just a historic event. It is a fulfillment of God's promise. And we need to celebrate it in light of not something that just happened, but something that is happening in me on a daily basis and God desiring to live through me on a daily basis. What Jesus accomplished for us over Easter made possible the inward and the outward. 
God's Spirit living in man and God's Spirit desiring to live through man. We are celebrating what Jesus fulfilled for us this morning. The cross doesn't represent death, but it represents life. The cross represents a promise fulfilled. So whenever you see the cross, and throughout this weekend as you're going out and you're being with friends and family, we're not mourning, we're not uh, being tearful about something that happened. If it's tears of joy, then praise God. But we, we rejoicing and we're celebrating the life of Christ and the life that we get to enjoy now because He died and was risen from the dead. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22 this morning. Genesis 22, I will read verse 7 and 8 and then jump down to verse 13 to 14. And it says, so this is an account of, of Abraham um, going to offer Isaac. And we're jumping in the middle of a story here. If you don't know the, the account, then please go and, and study it out a little bit and uh, read it in your own time. But it says, verse 7, Father, Isaac asked, we have the wood and the flint to make the fire. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? So basically Isaac is going with his dad, but Isaac does not know the wood that he's carrying on his back is intended for him to be burned on. The story gets better. Don't, uh, don't, don't think it ends there or don't become uh, morbid now. Verse 8, God will see to it. This is Abraham's response to his son. God will see to it, my son. Abraham replied, that is faith. Because at this very moment, Abraham did not know what was going to happen. But he said, God will see to it, my son. Abraham replied, and they went on. Jump down to verse 13. Then Abraham noticed a ram caught by its horns in a bush. So he took the ram and sanctified it instead of his son as a burnt offering on the altar. Abraham named the place Jehovah Provides. And it still goes by that name to this day. God provided what man could not provide. That is what we're celebrating over Easter. And God has always made a way. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And God has always worked in this, in this amazing, graceful way in our lives and through Jesus that man did not deserve what Jesus did, but still God chose to do what he did. Romans 5 verse 6 to 9 says it like this. For when the time was right, the anointed one, talking about Jesus, came and died to demonstrate his love. So God wasn't just all about talk, but he demonstrated, he showed his radical love for sinners. Who? For sinners. Say sinners. Who were entirely helpless. Say helpless. They were helpless, weak, powerless to save themselves. Now who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's compassionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Some translations say the enemies of God. That's when Jesus chose to die for us. Jesus, by the way, when he was taken, oftentimes we think that they came to take Jesus. They took his life from him. No, Jesus gave freely his life. Son of God, performing signs, wonders, and miracles, having all power and authority to do whatever he wanted, to defend himself in the natural, so to speak. But he did not. 
because He gave His life. He chose to die for us. Verse 9, and there's still so much more to say of His unfailing love. Say unfailing. His love is unfailing. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the love of God. It's not talking about how we need to love one another. It's talking about God's love for you. It's patient. It's kind. It's not self-seeking. That's God's love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. What declaration? You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Say never. You will never, as a child of God, experience the wrath of God. You are declared righteous. Now religions and all other different kinds of spirituality is based upon effort. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to get a better place in paradise or in heaven? How am I going to be a good person? Christianity is none of that. It's not about your efforts. It's not about your good works. It's not about being a better person. It's not about feeding the poor or all of those good things. That is part of Christianity. But at its core, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about everything that Jesus has done and not about anything we do for Him. We need to understand this. It's not about anything we do, but it's about what He has done. Past tense. He has done. He has fulfilled. Now here's a question to think about in light of this declaration because it says that through Jesus we heard this powerful declaration. Through what Jesus accomplished for us, there's the declaration going out to the world. And for those who put their faith in Christ, you are now righteous in my sight. Here's a question, here's a thought. If you ever feel unrighteous, because this is the declaration from God Almighty, God the creator of the universe, His declaration of you, you are righteous. So if you ever feel unrighteous, ask yourself, is my view of myself more important than God's view of me? Do I value my own opinion above that of God? Because God deems you righteous. He declares you righteous. So if you feel unrighteous, ask yourself, do I value my opinion and my view of myself higher than that of God Almighty, the creator of the universe, my Father? Let's go down, or let's go to chapter 5 of Romans. Romans 5, verse 10 to 11. It says, And since when we were His enemies... We were brought back to God by the death of His Son. What blessings He must have for us now that we are His friends. Charles talked about this, being seen as a friend of God. Now that we are His friends and He is living within us, saying, living within me. Good, I'm not uh, just asking you rhetorically, like I'm, I'm asking you to, uh, to speak out what the Word is talking about. That's so important for us to come to believe the Word more and more. Talking about it. That is why we feast on the word. That is why Jesus calls us to, to discipleship. Discipleship is not me lecturing you. It's me challenging you. Teaching, this is super important. If you desire teaching, especially within the word of God, you need to understand one thing. The gift of teaching 
And discipleship is not about you using your gift. The gift of teaching is not for you to teach. The gift of teaching is for someone else to learn something. You understand the difference there? The shift from me to them. Teaching should lead to understanding. Someone to understand. Not for you to feel good because you teach an amazing word. None of you have obviously ever taught from that perspective, right? Just me. I can acknowledge that. I've, I've taught in moments and in settings where like, man, Etienne, that was good. Ah, wow, I feel so good. Like the anointing. Man, knowledge, revelation. Wow, they think I'm amazing. Surely. Man, you're missing the point when, when, when you're going about doing good things from the wrong motivation. Now that was for someone because it wasn't my note. He is living within us. Now we rejoice, verse 11, in our wonderful new relationship with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends of God. This is awesome. It's not like Jesus came down and he died for our sins and then he was like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to go back to heaven and, and you kind of figure things out on your own. Like, just it's like you come in quickly and you do a good deed and you're like, okay, cool. I'm not going to mix with these people anymore because like, we, we're just too different. Right? Like if you're coming from a specific um, economic status or, or social class, you would sometimes, when you see people in the world, they're going to the poor and they do a, a few good deeds and then they go out. But it's good deeds without relationship. Jesus didn't come and do a miraculous deed and leave out relationship. The miraculous deed was because of relationship. It was for relationship. Man, that is what we have as, as the faith of the world, Christianity. It's not a religion, it's about relationship. There's no other faith out there in the world that it's about a Savior coming to save, to seek, to save the lost so that they can have relationship, unbroken relationship. Man, that is what we have in God. That is what we're celebrating through what Jesus accomplished for us. We have a Savior. We need it saving. The world needs saving. This is awesome. There is much more available to us than the forgiveness of sins. It says that it was good and, and there was blessing for us. In Christ dying for us while we're His enemies, how much more blessing is there for us in being His friends? And that's where we're going to look at come Resurrection Sunday. So uh, advertisement for Resurrection Sunday to be continued kind of uh, uh, join us then and we're going to look at that, the much more blessing that, that this verse is talking about. I know some of you can't join us. Luckily we record um, so you can catch up on what this is talking about. Let's go to 1 Peter 1.18. Someone being blessed this morning. Thanks, uh, Marco. I appreciate you coming this morning, and uh, it's awesome to see you receiving so well. And, um, because this is the Word of God, and the Word, Hebrews says that the Word of God is alive and it's active. So there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. There's nothing even wrong with me and how I'm bringing the Word of God. Because I'm bringing it very simplistically. Like, I'm not adding a lot. I'm reading the Scriptures and then just like expounding a little bit unto them. But it's, it's very plain. 
what I'm doing here this morning. Some of you think, wow, he's amazing. It's, it's very plain what I'm doing. So there's nothing wrong with the word or the, the messenger this morning, but there might be something wrong with the receiver. Right? There's, there, there's, there's radio signals running through this room this morning. None of you are seeing them. But if you take a device called a radio and you tune, you're going to pick up something. Right? That's not too complicated. All of you, like you're looking at me like we're very like blank faces as if like I'm, I'm speaking gibberish. So there's radio signals um, being transmitted through this room. You're not seeing them, but when you take a device that can catch that signal, you'll hear something. And it's the same with the Word of God. There's life being transmitted through this room. But your heart decides whether you're tuning into and receiving something or not. Now that was also for free. So if you haven't been tuned in up until now, you still have some time to get something from this morning's Word. Amen? Good. And it's not for my benefit. You guys need to understand this. You getting something out of this word, ultimately it's not for my benefit. I am going to benefit from it in the long run when we are maturing together, right? Because it means that I'm going to have less problems to deal with as the shepherd of this flock, of the father of this house. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not, my motivation is not self-centered. It's not about me and you maturing so that my life can be easier. My motivation for you is to mature so that God's kingdom can come here to earth. So that God's will will be done for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And that will only happen in your life as you are maturing into the picture of who Christ is and what He came to do for you. And that is what, what church gatherings like this is about. It's about receiving the word. It's about being equipped. It's about being challenged. It's about allowing ourselves to be challenged because it's through the challenge and through taking on the challenge saying, Father, like I've missed it maybe in this area. I'm not going to feel condemned. But I'm going to realize that I've always had the empowering. I've always had the ability to walk this out. I've maybe been asleep to this and that is what the church of God in large is. Asleep. And that is what revival is revive something is dead or asleep and it's being revived revival is is the church of god awakening to something not awakening to something that's never been this is awesome there's nothing new under the sun there's no new thing it might seem new in the moment to someone because they've never seen it before, but that does not mean that it just appeared. Right? When an unveiling happens, a bride walks down the aisle and we see these phrases of unveiling continually and we see the veil was torn at Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, the, the, the Passover weekend. We see the veil being torn and that's a symbolism of an unveiling. And we read about this in Corinthians and I don't want to go there this morning because I've got something somewhere else to go. But when a bride comes down the aisle and she's veiled and she stands in front of the groom and she's being unveiled, is that unveiling making something come to be or making something appear that was not there? No. The bride is there. The unveiling is just showing what is there. 
And this is the amazing thing with the Word of God. There's unveilings happening, but it's nothing new. It's not making something come to be that was not always there. And that is why Jesus takes the Scriptures and He talks about this and He says that, and He, and he, and he goes through the law and the prophets and the writings of Moses, expounding unto them that they talk about Him. They did not see that. There was a veil over their eyes. And still today we see a veil over our eyes because we don't understand that the Word of God is one single message. It's not hundreds of messages. It's one message and it's a message of Christ, the Gospel of Jesus, what we're celebrating over this weekend. Jesus dying for us, Jesus being raised for us, the forgiveness of sins, but not just the forgiveness of sins, but the empowering to live free from sin and to never face death. Now I'm talking about the spiritual because some of us are going to die in this life and I'm not prophesying death over you um, unless Jesus reappears before you die. Um, some of you are going to die, but that's not the end for you. That's the beginning of heaven in all of its fullness. Amen, and we can look forward to that. But as God will said, we are living in a reality. God will talk about this a little bit um, in our, uh, before we got into the Word. We are living in a reality. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 10. Sorry, let's go to, um, I skipped 1 Peter 1, 18 first. Then we'll get to verse 10 in a second. 18 to 19 for you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. This is powerful. It says that you were ransomed from a specific way of life. And there's a, there's a deeper reference to this, but just to put it in layman's terms, is your life, we looked at this a little bit last week, the Israelites, last week we looked at this, the Israelites tried to, by the law, work for righteousness, and they never succeeded. And your way of life that was handed down here from generations to generations. And even, you can think about it, your upbringing. You've been brought up maybe in a specific way to think a specific way about God, have a specific view of Him. But if it does not point to Jesus and what He did for you, it is futile. Your life will never have significance and will never have success unless you receive what Jesus came to do for you and have God's Spirit live inside of you. And that is a free gift for each one of us, for the world out there. It's nothing we need to earn or work for. Someone had to pay for the sin of the world, and Jesus did that for us. Jump down to verse 10, 1 Peter 1, 1.10. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. This is powerful. 
this salvation that we are talking about, this message, the gospel fulfilled, the gospel becoming a reality, God's Spirit in man, this salvation, because that salvation, salvation is not going to heaven one day. That's part of salvation. Salvation is having God's Spirit live inside of you, becoming a new creature, a new creation. That's salvation. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this grace, gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterward. Verse 12 from the Passion Translation says this, God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. That's talking about me and you. And now you have heard these things from the evangelists who preach the gospel to you through the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even the angels long to get a glimpse of. Man, the people that prophesied about this in the scriptures, the people that pointed to this, the reality, it talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11. Go read Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, by faith Noah, by faith Sarah, by faith David. All of these great men and women of God by faith accomplished great things. And then it ends off. But they did not inherit the promise. That is what we are celebrating. We are celebrating the inheritance of the promise. We have received the promise. The Holy Spirit of God living in man. The angels are even waiting to see a glimpse of this. And as we open up this morning, the creation is waiting to see this glory be revealed. What is a revealing? It's not making something appear that wasn't. It's an unveiling of something that is. You are fully equipped, fully empowered to live out the victory that Christ has prepared for us and has made available to us. Matthew 5, 17 says, If you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you are mistaken. I've come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. So this is such a beautiful picture. And, and Jesus talking about, man, the law, the prophets, all of these things pointed to something. They pointed to Christ. I'm pointing to Christ and I'm tapping like this because it's God's Spirit living in me. And some people like in religious circles, and I don't know what circles you come from, in religious circles might think like, man, that's blasphemy. That's exactly what they said about Jesus. Right, and if you accuse me of something that Jesus did, then I'll be accused of that. I'm trying to think, there's a scripture reference talking about what point is it to be good with man, but not to be good with God. Like, the, 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 the fear of man brings a snare. And, and all of these references, oftentimes we, we want to kind of be in everyone's good books. Obviously, none of you, you like just living for God's glory and His praises. But when we start living in this place of living for the approval of man, then we'll die by the criticism of man. That's why that's not the way we do things. That is not the way that we've been invited to do things. 
It's to live pleasing to God. And how do we live pleasing to God? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. There's one thing, it's faith. Faith isn't this mystical thing. Faith isn't about you believing for more money, about believing for all of your needs being met. Faith is about believing and trusting in God. And that what He accomplished for us through Jesus is enough. That is ultimately what faith means. 2 Corinthians 1.20 And for all of God's promises, we're coming to a close. For all of God's promises. Say all of God's promises. And that's what the word says. For all of God's promises have been. Is that present or future tense? None of the above. Past tense. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. What does that mean? It means that you are in faith with what God accomplished for us. Is it some of God's promises that has been fulfilled? No. My Bible says, and your Bible says, all of God's promises. So either it's lying, or we've been carnal and we wanted to say something else. Again, none of you, you've never been carnal with the word, you've never manipulated or used it to mean something you wanted it to say. Praise God that we're growing and we're maturing as we are allowing the word to, to, to be purifying our hearts and when there's correction needed, we allow ourselves to be corrected. We can't think, and I'm saying we in a general sense, we can't think that we've arrived to the perfect and full revelation of everything the Word talks about. No human being will ever get to that place. Because until Jesus comes, all of us have got a physical body and we've got emotions. Carnality. And that is going to be redeemed when Jesus returns. But until that time comes, you go to bed with your flesh. You stand up with your flesh. You've got the Spirit of God Almighty living inside of you, which is completely righteous. You are filled with all of the fruit of the Spirit. All nine fruit. Jam-packed, fully loaded. But whether you're expressing that is another thing. And the lack of you expressing that is because of a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. So with regards to, to this fulfillment, we need to understand that what Jesus accomplished for us over this weekend and the outpouring of the Spirit which comes after this weekend was all of God's promises being fulfilled. In closing, Colossians 2, 16-17. So why would you allow anyone to judge you because of what you eat or drink or insist that you keep the feasts, observe new moon celebrations or the Sabbath? All of these were but a prophetic shadow and the evidence of what would be fulfilled. For the body is now Christ. That's so beautiful. All of these things, everything we see in the old Genesis to Malachi, the Gospels, the book of Acts, everything pointed to something. It pointed to a historic event. Jesus dying, Jesus being raised for the purpose of His Spirit being poured out. 
from Genesis, God's desire for Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is God's desire. It's been His desire from the beginning of time. And the fulfillment is what we are celebrating over this weekend. So every shadow, every form of prophetic declaration pointed to this one thing. Jesus died, Jesus raised, Spirit poured out on all flesh. And this is the desire that God has for us. To look to those things, but not majoring on those things, but allowing those things to point us to the reality. The New Living Translation communicates this and it says, All of these things are a shadow, but Christ Himself is the reality. So the shadows and all of those things pointed to a reality. And once we've encountered the reality, the shadows have served its purpose. I always use this example with my wife. I met her on Facebook. It was a form of a shadow. It wasn't the real deal. Some of you didn't know that and now you're offended. So that's why I used it at the end of the words that you still receive from me. Some of you think it's a sin to be on Facebook and then more so to uh, meet your wife on Facebook. I'm just making a joke. Hopefully that's not uh, any of you. But since I met my wife in person, I'm no longer having a relationship with her through Facebook. I'm having a relationship with her face to face, in person, enjoying that reality. You don't have a relationship with someone's shadow, do you? Hopefully not. Otherwise, we need to pray for you. <laughs> we have relationship with the reality. And in the very same way, there's amazing things in the Word of God that were shadows. But their purpose was to point to the reality. And once you come to the reality, the shadow has served its purpose. Hence, Jesus saying, it is finished. It's complete. I've come to fulfill. And Jesus perfectly did what He set out to do. Full, full, complete. Mona Lisa, last brush. No one's ever put another brush to the Mona Lisa. It would mess it up if you try and add to it. We need to stop trying to add to the perfect, complete work of Christ. And that is what we're celebrating on this very good Friday. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.